0: Today we read from the 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 16 through 23 if you would like to join me. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth which we have been preaching from this will be the fourth week. If I proclaim the gospel this gives me no ground for boasting for an obligation is laid upon me And woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I have a commission. What then is my reward? Just this. That in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free, with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I may win those who are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I may win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might have all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share. In its blessings. I want to begin today by telling you a story. It's not actually a story. But it's a witness of the life of a United Methodist pastor in San Antonio, Texas. Her name is Reverend Lorenza Andreda Smith. She's only 4 foot 11 inches tall. She was appointed in the San Antonio area to the streets to be a pastor to the homeless As you can see from the photo, she was arrested on four different occasions as she lived on the streets. She did that for three years in the city of San Antonio, and then in her fourth year of being a pastor to the homeless, she traveled around the world and experienced homelessness in all these different places. You can go online and actually see an interview and a video that she did when she experienced homelessness in Hawaii, which for some of us right now sounds like a great place to be. But she talks about how startling it is that so many families were homeless in Hawaii. I wanted to share with you a couple of things that she said, the first being that some of the homeless shelters where she tried to take refuge would not allow her to stay there because she had a chalice made of metal and they deemed it a weapon. Another thing that happened um, was that, of course, she was arrested, but she talked about how she struggled with exhaustion, an endless chronic exhaustion, was probably her greatest struggle. And it's interesting in a way that we have heard witnesses from our Family Promise program, that they have said that to sleep in safety was such a relief for those of us who sleep in safety every night. We just take for granted that we can fall asleep and know that we're going to be safe while we are sleeping. Why do I tell you this story? Because what Reverend Smith did was take the scripture for today literally. In order to share the gospel with the homeless, she became homeless. She lived on the streets. She befriended them. She shared their life. Our scripture for today is set in this biblical text that's in the middle of a church in conflict. Paul's trying to help them navigate the conflict in the church and find a way forward that is indicative of reconciliation and what he says God hopes for the world. Also, this thread runs all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians, this letter, where he argues about freedom with responsibility we have heard this theme of freedom in every text that we have read in the first week Paul talked about yes we are free and we have freedom to live any way we want but that does not mean that we should become enslaved to our desires we use the term addiction to describe this he warns of what it means to take our freedom too far In our second week, we focused on relationships and freeing ourselves from anxiety. Paul says, yes, we are free to pursue these relationships, but we should try to reduce the anxiety in our lives. And he also says again, do not become enslaved to our own desires. And last week, Paul challenged the people to see conflict from the view of the other. He challenges them to protect the fabric of the community over the personal freedoms that they want. And he asks them to consider how their actions affect others, to literally see past their own self-interest. So how are we both truly free and, to use the language of Paul, simultaneously a slave to all? This is the language that Paul uses to the church in conflict. Yes, we are free, but we are also a slave to all, meaning that we should understand the other. Paul identifies himself with the weak so thoroughly that he takes on manual labor for a job and he stops eating meat because he wants to be like the people that he is trying to reach with the gospel. This decision is not about meat or freedom, it's about relationships. He identifies with the other in their otherness. He lives out the good news of Jesus Christ with this pattern of self-giving and preference for the weak and the poor. He embodies what we call the new creation as a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the church in Corinth telling them they are to order their lives as a community with this understanding of God's reconciliational hope for the world. He wants them to be a witness, of an example of the way the world should live. By creating a church community who lives by this example, they die to self and live for others just like Jesus did. Paul offers in chapter eight the understanding that the strong should identify with the weak. But in chapter nine, we didn't read it today, but he says the weak should be able to understand the position of the strong. He proposes this radical concept that each should act in behalf of those who are opposed to them. When I was trying to think of a way that we live this out today, uh, my husband's reminded me of the phrase that Charlie used earlier in the service about walking in the shoes of another. And also, in a debate class in high school or college, you're literally handed a card and asked to debate from a position, even if that position is not the one that you believe. Paul's premise of this argument is that our lives should reflect the gift that Jesus gave in his sacrificial love. He says that as people who have received the gift of the cross, we should release our self-interest for the understanding of the other. Now, can you imagine if the church took this to heart? If we asked you in a conflict with another person to literally argue for the other person's position, could you do it? I don't know. Even in my family when we argue, that would be hard. I can't imagine trying to do it with someone that I'm without being in an invested relationship with. Because we have been a culture and a people who dig into our own perspective and views. We completely refuse to hear what the other has to say. We call people names and we label huge groups of people with these labels so that we can dehumanize them. We don't have to see the face of Christ in them if we give them a label and we make them an enemy. We have seen this played out in politics, in our families, even in our church. Our own denomination is fractured because there are people unwilling to see the position of the other, and they would rather tear the church apart than live in grace and understanding of those who disagree with them. So I thought of another example of this in St. Patrick. And it's terrible that when we hear the word St. Patrick, we often think of green beer, because he did so much more than that. His life is impressive. So I want to share with you the highlight. He grew up in Britain, speaking Latin and knowing some Welsh. And he knew Welsh because it was the language of the lower classes. His grandfather was a priest, and he was raised a Christian, but he wasn't a very devout one. Matter of fact, he was described as a wild child and known to poke fun and make make fun of the priest and the Christians. At 16 years of age, he was captured by Irish Celtic pirates. They took him to Ireland, and they sold him into slavery, and his master made him herd cattle. He could have chosen to hate the people that had enslaved him. And to be honest, that seems like the more natural response. But during his four years of enslavement, he started to pray when he was out in the fields and under the stars, uh, claiming to have prayed almost every hour. And he became a man of faith during that time. He learned the language, the culture of the Irish Celtic people, And he fell in love with them, who they were and what they were about. When he was 20 years old, he had a dream about a ship off of the coastline. And when he woke up, he went to the coastline and the ship was there and he escaped the slavery. He went back to Britain and he trained for the priesthood and he became a parish priest. And he did that until he was 48 years old. And if that's all he had done, that's still a really good thing, but that is not why he is counted as a saint. And it's important that you understand that at 48 years of age, he would have been considered a very, very old man. He had already lived past the normal expectancy for a man in that generation. And so at age 48, he has another dream. And in that dream, he is told to go to the uncivilized barbarians in Ireland and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ across the country. Why was he successful? Because he spoke their language, he knew their culture, and he genuinely loved the people that he was sharing the gospel with. I want to take you back to the scripture. In verse 16, Paul says that proclaiming the gospel lays as an obligation on him. He says if, if if it isn't an obligation, it's at least a commission. But this obligation means that he must see the other person's side of the conflict. He must understand where they are coming from and try to appreciate it. Paul says that this is the only way to live as people who are given freedom through Jesus' gift on the cross. That's how we reflect that. St. Patrick and Reverend Lorenza Andreda Smith are both extreme examples of people whose lives were changed by being immersed in the culture of other people. One by choice and the other was forced upon him against his will. But they each deepened their faith and they shared the gospel with a group of people that were not like them. And you will be relieved to hear that I am not gonna ask you to do that. I don't want you to give up your home and your way of life and your people and your safety, right? But I do want you to do this on some small scale. Take their example and apply it to your life in a small way. How can you know and understand people who are different than you? How can you listen, really listen to those who stand on the other side of an opinion than your own? How do you create relationships with people who have different background, experience, and culture than your own? And how do we as people who claim the gift of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross live lives that reflect that sacrifice. We are asked to have a little sacrifice of our own freedom and self-interest in order to be more like Christ. We are truly free, free in our country, free in our faith, and we forget so often to be thankful for that freedom. But that does not mean we are free to do whatever we want. Because as Christ followers, we are called to something more, an obligation. This entire series from 1 Corinthians has asked us to use our freedom to further the gospel. Paul writes this letter telling the conflicted people of that congregation to live as people who have been gifted something wonderful. He compels them and us to stop becoming addicted, to stop raising the anxiety in our own lives with the choices we make, to stop being selfish for the fabric of God's community. He calls us to live lives that reflect the gift that we have been given on the cross. The only way that we can be, that we can give witness to our faith is to be intentional so that we see others as people and we can love them and love each other. How we treat people, how we respond to conflict, how we argue and listen and live our lives is a reflection of our faithfulness. I want you to hear that. Every time we argue and listen or don't listen, we give a witness to what kind of Christian we are That's serious business. And Paul reminds us that we are called to something more than our own selfish interest. This was the challenge and the obligation to the imperfect people of Corinth. And I would say this is the challenge and the obligation to us as well. Amen.